You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Yeah, I, I think the nostalgia factor, too, with, like, new metal, how, you know, I was right at the prime of it. I was, like, what, 14, 15, 16, teenage years when, when it was at the height of it. And it was the genre that got me into, like, more extreme stuff, for sure, later on. And, you know, when you're a teenager, every teenager feels like their life fucking sucks, you know, and like nobody gets them. And like I'm an outcast. My own parents don't understand. Like, you know, edgy. I think the nostalgia factor of like doing this style of music brought that memory to me of how it made me feel when I discovered the bands that were doing it. And it made me feel good and positive and better. And it gave me like ambitions and dreams for the future. So it's like if you're going to do this genre of music, you should follow. Follow that sentiment. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, brought to you by Sound, Talent, Media, and Evergreen Podcasts, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians, talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. Hope you had a killer weekend. I most certainly did. This Vox and Hops episode is presented by Heavy Montreal. Heavy Montreal are Montreal's premier metal promoter, and if you are ever in Montreal and you are looking for a great show to go to, well, trust me, Heavy Montreal will have you covered. They put on a bunch of amazing gigs all year long long so trust me if you're looking for something cool to do when you're visiting montreal heavy montreal will have you covered and beyond stoked to have heavy montreal behind the vox and hops little podcast are you in a band would you love to have your band song featured in an upcoming vox and hops episode if that would be the case, then you should definitely send me a message, write me an email. You can do that by hitting up Matt at VoxenHops.com. That's M-A-T-T at V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S.com. Send me a message and I will hook you up and I will tell you all about being a part of the Vox and Hops Artist Spotlight segment. I love doing this. I love shining some light on killer bands. If you're in a band, you're launching a brand new song, you want to get a little bit more exposure for it, well, the Vox and Hops Artist Spotlight is there for you to do exactly that. Now, before we jump into today's episode, I'd just like to ask you to follow the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast on the podcast platform of your choice. But more than that, I would love for you to tell a friend about the podcast. For someone in your life that just loves new metal, this whole new metal revival, well, you should definitely let them know that the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast exists. You could tell them that there are over 400 episodes where I sit down with some of the world's best metal musicians to talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you were to encourage one of your new metal loving friends to become a brand new Vox and Hops head, that would be something that I would truly appreciate. Now, today on the podcast, I'm very stoked to be back with Vicky Siracus and for the first time with Robbie J. Fonts to talk about their project, Sixth Sense. Get ready, everyone. This is Vox and Hops, episode number 419. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. everyone today i'm very 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 stoked to be with two old friends who happen to be in montreal for two shows at turbo house i jumped at the opportunity to have a face-to-face conversation vicky Siracus, robbie j fonts of six cents uh how are you guys doing we are at la mer à bois you can hear the background noise it's going to be an episode like that old school vox and hops in the flesh no computer screens just just the way it was meant to be i love it robbie vicky how you guys doing Good. Great. Very tired. Yes. It's been busy since we got yes. here. Yes. <laughs> we actually, so Matt hit us up yesterday. Was it yesterday? I think it was yesterday. Yeah. And this was like probably the only time we could fit this in. And we just finished rehearsing. So we're exhausted, but it's all, it's a good exhausted, you know? Yeah. I even did a music video shoot with Chris Kells last night and uh, Deli the Bear. So yeah. It's been busy. Hell yes, I love it. I love it. I'm so stoked that you're in town, that you chose Montreal for the launch. Let's call it a launch for the live performance, first live performance of Sixth Sense. Let's tackle that first. Why Montreal? Why did you come back here? You guys recently relocated to Arizona from Chicago. Uh, Talk to me about coming back to Montreal and choosing Montreal at Turbo House, which I love, to be the first place that Sixth Sense plays live. I mean, it's an obvious choice. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really the band started in Montreal. Uh, some of the members, Branislav and I, are, are from here. We're the Montrealers in the band. So we did all our band business here. We recorded 
both EPs here with Christian Donaldson. Long history of friends, just people we've met. Also, like, um, Sam is from Quebec City, so, like, close enough, you know. And for the gigs, we got Justin, um, a replacement drummer who is also from here. Oh, yes, he's he's extraordinary. Justin from Immortal Guardian. Yes, yes. And um, history of flying objects as well. Yeah, so Justin was, like, an obvious choice because uh, he always liked what we were doing with Sixth Sense, too, and just been following us since the beginning and we share we shared a jam space with them so it's like wow you want to do this sure fine and uh police's drums are all in one place yes <laughs> it makes it easy but it's like it's also like the end of an era for us like with this these two eps we actually recorded them a while ago i know and they're finally coming out now they came out kings today last year in 2022 and now fools tomorrow is coming out on june 11th uh, so it's like an end of an era, and we're wrapping up, and we do want to bring the rest of the band to Phoenix, Arizona, actually. We're planning to relocate, so. Oh, shit. This is like a big step, big commitment, diving in. Let's rewind a little bit, though. This is Vox and Hops. Vox and Hops is all about hanging out with my metal friends, talking about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. We are at La Maire on St. Denis Street in Montreal, one of my favorite craft beer places, a classic place. I was just hanging out with the owner who's sitting literally right behind us right now. They've been doing this forever. So what are we drinking? I'm drinking their Cherna, classic Czech Pilsner. What do you guys got? I think the the drop drop the drock the drock. Yes, <laughs> it sounds metal. It does. It, I it's like good. It, it, it I like it. It sounds very metal. And I got the muesli oatmeal stout. Hell fucking yes. Uh, it's uh, one of my favorite places. Anytime I'm around, I pop in. I leave with some cans. I am most probably going to do that after this tonight, for sure. Um, I appreciate you guys coming here and hanging out with me. I know we've had you on the podcast twice before, but I've never had Robbie on the podcast. So this is an exclusive Robbie question. Robbie, what is your very first beer experience? What was your very first beer? Oh, man, honestly, my first beer experience I, I can remember it it was uh, my mother would drink Coors Light so I had a Coors Light <laughs> that was my first beer did not like it didn't understand the hype but then um you know meeting uh, Vicky and How the Agonist old were people you? oh well I was like probably young, you know, 14, 13. So your or mom whatever. was like, here, here's a beer, son. You're a man. <laughs> Something now. like You're that. A man. Something like that. Now take the garbage out. But then I met <laughs> fine people like you who refined my taste in craft beer, and that's when I started getting into drinking craft beers. Hell yes, it's an evolution. Uh, first time I heard Cryptopsy, I did not like it. It took me time to uh, get more acquainted to the finer things in life, such as craft beer and extreme metal. It's it's they, they go hand in hand. It's you need to acclimate your palate. Yeah, it's an important thing to do. Now I know Christian Donaldson recorded your material. We were on tour 2019, and he was like showing me Six Sense stuff or stuff that would become nice. Six Sense. So you guys have been holding on to this material for so long, and a lot of people might think that you are sort of like right in the perfect trends of the return of new metal. Yeah. But it's not true. You were still avant-garde about it. <laughs> you were, you know, this is four years old, that some of the material yes. that you're yeah. releasing now on Fools Tomorrow, Kings Today. So talk to me about the return of new metal, why a new metal band, and why were you doing it in 2019? And that means you were doing it even before that. Well, it actually started off with um, Bran and his previous band, uh, Keychain. So Bran and Cody, or, who are in Six Fence, they had this other band called Keychain. And they were blatantly new metal. That's what they were about. And then they parted ways with their uh, former singer, JP. They left the, he left the band, and they were looking to audition somebody else. So I actually auditioned. And then Bran brought up the idea. He liked what I was doing vocally and lyrically with my screams and my rapping. But he was like, I want to include singing. So he's like, what do you think about uh, incorporating a second vocalist into the band? And I'm like, sure, no problem. I think I have the perfect one right here and my wife, Vicky. And let's see if she's into this and wants to do it. And then... The rest was history. We started doing the demos and took off from there. It just kind of happened organically. He would just send instrumentals our way and we would co-write. I mean, in the beginning, Robbie wrote most of the lyrics and I wrote all my vocal melodies and stuff like that. But then it started becoming more like 50-50, more of a collaboration. Um, and I don't think like we weren't like, yeah, we got to do a new metal band. It's just normal because it's like you put all these individuals together. You have a track that's like groovy, which is all of new metal, really. And then you have a singer and a rapper, and they can both scream. So, of course, it's going to have that new metal flair. Like, But it wasn't like before this started that 
I, I think either of us had a, a deep longing, like, we're going to do new metal, we're going to bring it back. I think it just happened organically. I don't know how it turned out this way, because I was always like, I'm a rapper, but I also did metal vocals. But initially, I didn't ever even want to incorporate rapping into metal. I wanted to keep it separate. I actually wanted to just do, like, hip-hop stuff, keep the rapping there, and do metal, like, with strictly screaming vocals. But for one reason or another, my career, like, started with, like, boom. My first original band was a new metal-y rap metal band, and it yeah. just picked off from there, and I've always been the new metal rap metal guy since, so. Do you, do you feel typecast a little bit? You're talking about Asa de la Muerte, am I correct there? Because that's how I yeah. first discovered you, and I was like, what is this fucking band? <laughs> and who is this guy? Because you're very proficient in both the rap and an excellent, excellent harsh vocalist, so Thank you. I, was, I was like, who is this guy? He's <laughs> just like me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, Except yeah. he stayed skinny. But <laughs> yeah, yeah it, just, it just happened from there. Um, I I joined Hasta la Muerte, we put out a couple songs, and immediately I joined Stuck Mojo, which is an exactly. old school rap metal yeah. band, and yeah. I became that guy that became my niche, so to speak. And I think it's normal, though, because it's like your whole environment is metal musicians. Well, all, well all, always was, metal yeah. musicians. So it's like, when you join a band, usually, people, as a vocalist, people are like, okay, what's your skill set? Oh, you can do this and this. Well, if you can rap, we're gonna do that. We're gonna, we're gonna incorporate it. it. Totally utilize yeah. it. Yeah. 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 Like, One day you'll have to challenge yourself to join a band and they're like you're gonna do this and they're like no I'm not <laughs> yeah I, like I don't know what that would be like honestly like joining a band and knowing you can do more but you don't you know what I mean I know some people are like that I, some I have, bands are I like that a topic that I will broach with you later yes, yes. exactly about that for yeah. you specifically but we're gonna hold off on that so at first it was Robbie's project Six Sense and then you were going to just contribute clean vocals yeah to and then more and more, you found yourself becoming more entwined in it. How did that happen? It obviously happens naturally, but there's there's always like a thought process and something that yeah. sort of happens or like a aha moment that I'm going to invest more time into this band. Yeah. Honestly, I think it's just the songwriting. The more songs we were writing, uh, the better they were sounding. Um, I think the, the tricky part was that a lot of the instrumentals that Bran had sent us in the beginning, he had those from a while back for Keychain. And so he didn't write them with us in mind. He wrote them for Keychain with the vocalist he had at the time. So, which, well, those songs are on these two EPs that we released, of course, but um, they were really exciting to work with. And I was really digging it, but like I didn't see at the time like where this could go. But then we kept writing new songs, and then Bran eventually wrote newer songs with us in mind. He's like, wait, now I have this guy that can do that. I have Vicky that can do that. Let me write a little more differently, I guess. And hearing those songs and working on those songs and collaborating with Robbie, it just started feeling like this is something really cool that nobody else is really doing right now um and you know for me i'm for the last i don't know many many years i've just been full-time with music so it was like it was a no-brainer because i'm like i don't have a day job i'm only doing music i can do whatever i want and fill up my time um because you know not to derail the conversation but at the time you know i was in the agonist i was doing covers i was doing a lot of things but it's easy to do when you're full-time you know because i don't come home from work 5 p.m exhausted i can only choose you know one thing to do so i was like this is really cool the music's awesome we're doing something unique so why the hell not <laughs> we, we are we are at la magabog everyone and they're having a good ass time and so are we uh it is true that if you are full-time musician there's no excuse but to be yeah a full-time musician and yeah. put the work in so so why not do something extra something outside your comfort zone hypothetically yeah uh, with Branislav writing songs catered to you with much more open choruses I imagine to let you soar which you did do on Kings Today uh, and the new material that I've heard on the, the singles that have dropped um, catchy ass chorus the hook master uh, what goes into writing hooks uh, I asked uh, Carson Pace of the Callous Dow Boys this question creating hooks mm -hmm. uh, how much time goes into that there must be moments 
moments that you just know this is it. Yeah. And other times it's more of a challenge to find something that fits. Yeah. I remember hearing that Chester from Lincoln Park, for Somewhere Where I Belong, wrote like 20 choruses until he finally fucking hit that yeah. hit one. Yeah. Sometimes, so Robbie probably can confirm this, on all the songs we've written, most of the times it's pr been pretty instantaneous. Amazing. Not like right away, but like, you know, not it's not the first idea, the second idea. We've had a few that maybe we struggled with, but I wouldn't say 20 choruses ever. <laughs> um, I think the dynamic... I'm going to let you talk. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the dynamic um, that we still, it, it kind of changes from song to song. Like, who's taking the lead? Cause if Interesting. He, Is that like you hear the material and then you're like, it's the first person that has that like creative jump that takes the lead on it or is it like a predetermined this is your track this is my track no it's spur of the moment like because uh, we have our schedules and our lives and we do things and you know maybe we have a song and I'm really busy that week and Robbie isn't busy and he's like you know what I'm going to take a look at this song so interesting you guys write separately to start this Very is why cool. I said it depends who takes the lead so say there's a song and he takes the lead and he's feeling really inspired and he writes the whole fucking thing <laughs> and he writes a chorus you know and, and uh, verses or whatever he'll give me the song and naturally I'll have some changes I want to do sometimes the changes are like nothing like the chorus of Fools Tomorrow um, like I sang the melody but nothing changed in his lyrics and like the placement it was I was like this is perfect you know amazing but sometimes he'll write a chorus or a verse for me and I'll be like eh it's not vibing the way I want it to. So that's where, you know, I scratch it and I go back and I write something completely new. Um, but even when that happens, it hasn't been hard. It hasn't been like, oh, now I'm in a box. I don't know what to do. And uh, vice versa. If I've ever taken the lead on a song, I don't think it's been hard at all. I'm like, here, I left you apart, write a rap verse. And he comes up with it right away. Like, yeah. Usually my writing process is like, I'll, I'll take an instrumental, like from anybody if I've ever worked with, like, especially Branislav, he's, an incredible songwriter so I love working with all his music it's it's amazing like it just clicks so when I do sit down like it might be sitting there for months and then I'll just like take a night like if tonight was the night I'm gonna work on a song I'll sit with it and I write the parts that I, I think fit either for myself or for Vicky um, but going back to uh, our Kings Today and Fools Tomorrow material it's been old and it was sitting and so this was written a few years back it's crazy and like Vicky mentioned she was doing like music full-time and she's really busy with the agonist so for that reason these particular songs i may have taken the lead a bit more overall and there was a few songs that vicky just wrote entirely herself like and it would be like i'd write it on my own time and then like vicky said like i'd show it to her present it to her if she liked the ideas she'd keep them if things needed work she'd change it and then at the same time there's a lot of songs like Feed Them to the Wolves, our latest single that just dropped. That was a song I wrote the verses for and the intro uh, vocals where we're screaming at each other. And then I hit a wall. I didn't know what to do for the chorus and I didn't know what to do for the bridge section because I felt it was like singing based. And sometimes I'll have ideas for singing vocals. But for this song, whatever reason, I just hit a wall and I'm like, I have no idea. Like, just take it, do something with it. I actually didn't even like the song, as a matter yeah. of fact. I didn't even like it after yeah. my verses I put on it. I'm just like, this is a whatever song. I don't care about it. And it was so weird for me because up until that point, Robbie's the type where he writes a song and he's so enthusiastic and he's like, best song ever. Even if it's not, you know, it's that moment of like, I wrote a song. And he was like, not confident about it. And I'm like, remembering the instrumental and how strong it was, I was like, how is this possible? Because I get it if like the instrumental feels a little weak, you're, you're feeling uninspired. And I check his verse and I'm like, this is great. What are you talking about? And then on the spot, you know, I just fed off of, pun intended, I guess, uh, what he had written and the chorus like came right away that day. And then I think another, a different day, I sat with the bridge a little longer and wrote my own part. But um, it was actually that song at the time that made me realize too that our best songs are written when we collaborate. I think, I think it would be important since you're both so, you're the front people of the band. It should be a much more collaborative effort. Yeah. The, um, 
concept, the meaning, what is going on with Sixth Sense, what do you want to say to people for Cryptopsy? It's extreme, it's bothersome, uncomfortable. What what is going on with Sixth Sense? It, it, what, you, what is the identity of the band? It's we're we're very much positive band I'd like to say I'd like to say our message is a positive one and we just want to have honest conversations with people and we want to touch upon lyrical themes that are about real life real stuff like you know you all go through various emotions like you could be happy one day sad about something else depressed and that's fine but our our mission is like don't stay depressed like be depressed go through your emotions but get get out of it pull yourself out of it find other people around you who believe in you who will support you and give you that support system to live your life to the fullest and that, that's what we're about yeah i i think the nostalgia factor too with like new metal how you know i was right at the prime of it i was like what 14 15 16 teenage years when when it was at the height of it and it was the genre that got me into like more extreme stuff for sure later on and you know when you're a teenager every teenager feels like their life fucking sucks you know and like nobody gets them and like i'm an outcast my own parents don't understand like you know edgy but uh i think the nostalgia factor of like doing this style of music brought that like memory to me of how it made me feel when i discovered the bands that were doing it and it made me feel good and positive and better and it gave me like ambitions and dreams for the future so it's like if you're gonna do this genre of music you should follow that sentiment and um because i think it's a really pretty easy genre of like metal to listen to to the point where like some purists say like this isn't even metal. It's you very know? like acceptable. It's not yeah. cryptopsy. Yes. It's not yes. bothersome. Yeah. You can understand <laughs> it whether you it's the first time you've heard metal or not. Yeah. And it's very cathartic. Exactly. It's the word that it, like the, the vibe that I'm understanding. You're 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 providing a catharsis for for people that are going through some shit. Yeah, and and I think the the accessibility of the genre and the bands that that play the style of music is really cool because it's like you're not always targeting metal and rock fans. You could That's be right. That's right. any random person yeah. that just listens to pop or whatever's on the radio. They'll hear the song and be like, "Oh, this is cool." They won't be like, "Oh, what, what the heck is that?" You know, like with extreme music where it takes some time to get into. So why is he screaming all the time? <laughs> <laughs> He's angry. This isn't singing. Why is he so angry? Yeah. His throat must hurt. <laughs> yeah. Working together, I would like to hear about the benefits, the good things. A couple. I love my wife. We work on the podcast together. There's a lot of amazing exchanges that happens. What are the positive things that have happened since you've been collaborating? You were already collaborating. It's probably actually started around the same time because I know you guys so well. The Sound Escape Agency is something that you guys run. You do merch. You do management. Um, a label at this point. You're very, very busy. Uh, but And Sixth Sense sort of almost started around the same time. So working together outside of the marriage, outside of just your personal relationship, in a musical endeavor, what are the best things that have come of that? I would say the the key to the key to doing this, like being a married couple or like being in any relationship, is putting your ego aside. I think if you can humble yourself and learn to work with each other's strengths and contemplate each other, you'll you'll make things happen. It's like if, if like with the songwriting process, it's like, okay, I'm a rapper, I'm a screamer, I got these storytelling ideas, let's Let's write a song together, but I know I can't sing. So here's my singing melody ideas. You are a proper singer. What can you do with it? And then it's like she takes the wheel or like Vicky will come up with a song. She'll write her singing verses or screaming, whatever she does. She's she's like the female Mike Patton. She could do it all. So she'll do that and then she'll give me the track and then be like, I just need a verse from you. What do you got? And I'll be like, okay, here it is. Boom. And I drop it. So you're like a superhuman. I love it. I think the beauty of, of uh, working with your spouse is um, the comfort that comes with it. Because like being in a band, sometimes, you know, you, you establish this relationship where everyone's super close, obviously, like it's like a family and like, you know, nice. <laughs> um, it's like a family and you're probably a bit more comfortable than you'd be with, you know, regular friends because you go through a lot with your bandmates touring and all that. But um, 
there's always some kind of barrier, you know, because at the end of the day, you aren't actually married. You don't live together. You know, there is that that barrier that when you're songwriting, sometimes you're you gotta like, okay, how do I phrase this? How do I say to someone like maybe we can make this better without hurting their feelings, without bruising their ego? Exactly. Um, when you're with your spouse, that's gone. You, you know, like I could straight up tell Robbie like that this sucks. fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah, and he'll get mad for a second. And then he'll sit with it and be like, maybe she's right. Or maybe he'll be like, okay, do something better, you know? And then yeah. it's like challenge accepted. Yeah. It just comes down to any relationship that's the best is honest ones. Exactly. It's, it's honesty. Like when you have that where it's like there's no filter, you can just yeah. tell it like it is. That's when the best music will come out and the best business decisions will come out because you can talk honestly with each other. And, and you know that you have the same goal. Like the goal at the end of the day is we want to do the best thing we can do. And the way to achieve that isn't my way or your way. It's the best way. Sometimes it might be my way. Sometimes it's yours. Sometimes it's in the middle. But we're going to have to butt heads and get past that knowing that we have the same goal in mind. Now, obviously, you knew this one was coming. What are the worst parts of being in a band <laughs> with your spouse? This hasn't happened yet because we haven't toured. But you have toured together recently, though, with the agonists. Yes, but it's a different dynamic because, you know, we're not both on stage. But I'm the crew guy. I can imagine this being challenging, maybe, in that it's no longer just you and I, but other people that are in the band and the crew. And maybe that yeah, they're going to choose sides. There's oh. that. Like, yes. <laughs> like, like, don't. <laughs> Any future Sixth Sense members don't fucking choose sides. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, so it hasn't happened with us, but I've heard stories of it happening where couples are just like a little too comfortable and they just start arguing like in front of people and people are uncomfortable. You know, so that back lounge. You do it in the back lounge. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if it's gonna happen, but if it does, we're just gonna have to advise our bandmates that look, everybody fights. Let's move on. We're just a little more comfortable. That's all. <laughs> God damn. Uh, let's talk about the bear in the room. At what point did a bear, Deli the bear, become an emblem, become <laughs> a, such an important part of the identity of Sixth Sense? Obviously, there was that video. But where, where did this all come from, the idea? Why a bear? And yeah. It, it didn't have to be a bear. We just wanted some sort of mascot figure to have that elephant in the room for our Kings Today video. And we thought it was honestly just going to be a one and done. Like, he was just going to appear in that video and that would be that. But he had such a positive reaction to it. So we were like thinking like, well, why don't we just keep him along and like make him something more? So he's actually uh, part of our Sixth Sense lore. He is the band. And like we have this whole story behind him where he's the one who created the band. He brought us all together. He's He's our manager. He directs all our videos, comes up with all the concepts, reruns our social media. He's responding to all our fans online. And yeah, it's, it's this great thing where it's like, yeah. it's this dynamic of like, imagine if you can be interacting with Eddie of Iron Maiden on social media back in the day when like Iron Maiden was at their, their prime. Does Deli the Bear have an Instagram account? Yes. Oh, okay, cool. Okay, I didn't know that. Okay. I like yes. that. That's cool. Smart. Black Dahlia Murder has the monkey. Yes. Yeah. And there's multiple people that have played the monkey. When you guys eventually tour, I'm very close to you guys, so I know the real Deli the Bear. Yes. He might not be able to be there. So are you going to replace Deli the Bear with another human? Yeah. So this is I interesting you're bringing this up. Um, I was talking to, I think I did another interview last week, and somebody asked something similar. And I was just saying that, like, I would love for this band to grow. Anyone wants their band to grow, right? But not just for myself, not for my ego to be like, hey, I'm a headliner. I'm playing to, like, thousands of people. But I was just thinking about all the people that have helped us along the way, um, you know, and Deli and Chris Kells that does our videos and Donaldson that mixes our songs, where it's just like the work you did, it hasn't been in vain. Like, here's a bigger picture, a bigger opportunity, because like, you know, sometimes honestly being in this business, it's, it's just about money, right? Sometimes where you're like, oh, I can't do that. But then you're like, boom, here's a big fat paycheck. Now, can you do it? Basically, yeah. All the problems go away. So it's like. Like, I want this band to succeed, not just for us and our music, but for everybody involved. But that's the sentiment. It's like, if we do good, you do good, you know? I'd be stoked about it. I think it's super cool. Yeah. I like the mascot idea. It's definitely, you know, Iron Maiden did pretty well with Eddie. 
Black Dahlia are doing pretty well with the gorilla on stage. I think it's pretty cool. I tried to get Ollie in the gorilla suit when Black Dahlia came through town, and yeah. the guy that was the gorilla was not having it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the statutory ape. That's actually kind of where I got the idea. Like, actually, because I'm a huge The Black Dahlia Murder fan, and I love that, that they'd have the, the monkey come out on stage with them. It's just a party. Like, as soon as he steps out, he's the most... It's like um, Necrogoblicon with John. Um, second elephant in the room... The agonist just called it quits. Yeah. Sort of out of nowhere, sort of not out of nowhere. Here you are launching a new band. It's not new. You've been doing it for four years. You've had the material. Talk to me about launching something new and the challenges and the reception so far and the scariness of it. Yeah. So um, I totally get that. Um, that in terms of like people that aren't in the band, when a band announces like a breakup or a hiatus or anything that's like sad news, um, people that aren't in the band always feel like it's coming from nowhere. Especially if if a, the band never like airs their dirty laundry, you know, or or any unfortunate things. Are, if they are we keep allowed it, to do that? I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm joking, I mean, no. some bands do it, but. In my opinion, like, you should always keep it professional. Like, it doesn't look good when people, and a lot of bands do this, just fight on the internet. But, um, so from a third-person perspective, I could get how it seems sudden, um, but obviously it wasn't. And uh, when we made this decision, we, we didn't know when we were going to announce it. And my biggest concern was, you know, we had already planned the Sixth Sense release, as you know how the industry is, months, even years in advance that like this is happening then and my biggest concern was like if I announce in the middle of this release cycle that the band that most people know me from that I've been in for like nine years so far is ending are people going to jump to the conclusion that it ended because I'm in another band because people always want someone to blame and at the same time though it's like we put out our first song with Sixth Sense in 2021 uh, Make Believe and the first thing that people said were like what's happening with the agonist right away because the idea of you being in multiple bands is is weird for for a lot of people and they feel threat yeah as if you're in a relationship with them <laughs> and you're cheating on them they also seem to think that being in a band is like your bread and butter yeah as like so the easy. rock star life yeah, and that's not it at all. And like I said earlier, I'm, I've been a full-time musician. Um, my other band members in The Agonist are not. They have day jobs. So I found myself, like when the Sixth Sense thing was starting, that was the reason why I was like, yeah, let's do it. Because I can't, you know, if I have free time, I can't sit around and wait for other people's schedules. Um, but I was always professional and always respectful. And I always, like, there were deadlines to meet. I always met them because I was full-time. So at the time when we put out Make Believe and fans were concerned, I was like, no, this is just another band I'm launching. The Agnes is cool. It's another part of your personality. It's yeah, like exactly. You're allowed to be multifaceted yeah. and have multiple projects. And yeah, yeah. And plus... the f Maybe they, the Agnes fans are particularly sensitive because when Elisa right. started doing other projects is when she stepped away. Right, so you kind of, you're like, oh, repeated cycle. Uh, but the funny thing about the timing of that was that the Agnes was literally releasing the days before the World Web DP, like one month later. Yeah, exactly. So my response at the time was like, why are you guys worried? We have an EP coming out like next month. Um, this time around, however, people were asking again and I was evading because I'm like, I don't want to lie. But at the same time, I don't want to say something that might give them ideas. I didn't know when we were going to announce it. And then things just like escalated. People kept asking. I'm sure not just me, but like Simon told me he went to that Black Dahlia show and everyone was asking him, you know, like what's going on? What's going on? What's, yeah. going on? what's the next show? When's the next tour? Yeah. Yeah. And it just it just got increasingly difficult when you're honest. You're like, I don't want to lie and pretend everything's good. So we're like the week before the announcement, we're like, let's just announce it. And I was like, uh, I have a new single coming out two days later. Great. <laughs> It was a little bit beneficial for you guys. I, I will be honest, yeah. because in every press release, 
it said that you were doing new music with Sixth Sense. Yeah. So so that yeah. worked in your favor. Yeah. It's an excellent way to launch a band, but it was not preemptively, it premeditatively yeah. planned that way. Yeah. But it was a happy circumstance. It was, and I, I didn't... Because you had massive views on some of those videos. Yeah. It was uh, multiple factors, which I'll explain. Um, but, yeah, I couldn't... My main worry was I didn't know how people were going to take it. And it was so overwhelmingly positive, And people were just happy that I had something else. But the thing that, that like, kind of... I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't be surprised. But I was surprised that I'm like, Six Sense has been here for a year and a half. We already put out an EP. But now that I announced that The Agonist is no more, now you're going to go check it out? Because people were like, I guess when I first announced it, they thought of it as a side project, as like a studio, whatever thing. But now it became serious. It's like, wait, this is the only thing that Vicky has in terms of like original music. And they went and checked out Six Sense, whereas they were following me, you know, a year or two years ago. And they just didn't make the time and effort. And it's really interesting how a lot of these people were like, I don't know why I didn't check this out sooner. Exactly. Yeah. What was your whole take on the agonist? You're so close to all of them. You're so close to Vicky, obviously. <laughs> um, I am also very close to the agonist. I jammed with them before Elisa was ever even a part of the band. I've been friends with them forever. I don't believe it's the end. That's all I'm going to say. What is your opinion? Yeah, no, no. It's It, it was sad. Uh, and like for those who don't know, I was very close with the Agonist, obviously. I'm married to Vicky. But behind the scenes, I did a lot for them as well. Like I was their merch guy, helping out with Vicky and I's business sound escape agency. We took care of the Agonist's merch. We did their uh, Days Before the World Wept EP launch. I went on two, their last two tours, their final two tours. I was there doing the merch for them. Uh, on the U.S. run, I was driving. I was their RV driver. Drove, Did all the overnight drives for them, uh, then woke up the next day and uh, set up the merch for them, and then I went went to Europe with them for two long months, and um, it's, it's, it's sad, but you know, at the end of the day, it's like if you're going to be doing music, all your hearts need to be in it, and it's like if you need to take a break, just hit the brakes. It's better to hit the brakes now than to start hating each other, and it ends entirely. At least now it's like just take a breather, you know, if you're, you're starting families or you want to do other projects. Explore, the, explore that. Let your kids grow up a little more, and then maybe one day... The timing will be right. Also, to add to this, because I didn't say it myself, but, you know, obviously before we came to that decision with the agonist, there were different options on the table. You know, there were like, maybe we could do this or that or that. And uh, a few people in the band wanted to just announce a hiatus. Um, but in my opinion, I, like, I didn't want to do that because it's like giving people hope that may be false. Because you announce a hiatus, you're basically promising that it's it's going to come back. And at that time where we were all talking and trying to make a decision, I'm like, I don't have any guarantee. Nobody in the band had any guarantee that like it would come back. And the last thing I want to do is give our fans, people that have supported us since the very beginning, this like false hope that it'll come back and then it just fades into nothing. So I'm like, this is where we are right now. Let's just pull the trigger. And if something changes in the future, people will be happy. We'll be happy. They'll be happy. But um, I think it was a really hard thing to do, obviously, but I think it was a very courageous thing to do because I see a lot of bands don't even announce a hiatus. They, they just, just kind of disappear. disappear. Yeah, they, fade they away. disappear, they fade away, they don't ever put out anything or maybe like seven years later, here's a new album. And I think the reason for that is that they're not strong enough. They don't have that courage to be like, this is the hard thing to do. But I'm not going to, like, leave people in the dark and have them guessing and wanting more. I'm just going to tell them what's going on. And I don't see a lot of bands do that. But I know that a lot of bands are at that level and feel that way. They just can't pull that trigger because it's, it's like I said, it's kind of like hoarder mentality where you're like, you don't need these things, but you keep them in your house because one day you might need them. And that's how they treat their band. It's like, I'm not announcing that we're over because maybe one day I'm going to want to do something with this band. And I, I think that if you have a certain name and a legacy and a contribution to the scene, 
that's like tainting the name in a way like like no band deserves that you know to just be shelved on a corner and uh maybe one day i'll do this again so yeah i i wish more bands had you know the balls to to pull the trigger <laughs> i think um if you come back from a hiatus versus coming back from a breakup you'll get paid a lot more too so <laughs> <laughs> i mean you're not wrong <laughs> back to the question i had for you before is let's say now a lot of bands are going to consider you as being available yeah no disrespect to you it's a vicky question you could get hired yeah. for not your strengths they yeah. bring you in just to be a screamer hypothetically right which is my question from before like because people see you as being a hook master yeah excellent clean vocalist you're, you're a great screamer but your main strengths are your cleans and your i appreciate your, your, that. your writing style so imagine like a band hires you just to do harsh vocals yeah how would you feel about that is that something you would you would consider is it something that would speak to you um, being taken into a band for not your strengths. It depends on the band and the music, and it depends, like, am I being asked to join just as a tour, as, like, a temporary member, or as a permanent member? Um, for anything permanent right now, it would be really difficult for me to just say yes. Like, it has to be, like, I listen to the music and I'm like, oh, my God, what is this? You know, I need to do this. Um, because I pretty much decided a few years ago that, like, if I'm going to create any original music or be a part of any band or project, it has to speak to me. And if it doesn't, it doesn't deserve any of my time. And so that that answers, I guess, the permanent side of things. So I would be willing if the music was, like, otherworldly and I was like, oh, holy crap, you know? <laughs> uh, but... Uh, for temporary stuff, for like touring, um, fill-in stuff, I would consider it because it, it does come with a paycheck. Like, I don't know any professional band that would bring a hired musician on tour and not pay them. Uh, so I would consider it if it's like a band that I do like their music, that maybe is completely different from, you know, Sixth Sense. Um, and I could see myself having fun on tour or even if it's just for an album or something. I'd consider temporary paid gig over anything permanent, basically. Hey, what's up, Fox and Hopsheads? I just want to take a little moment about Cryptopsy's upcoming tours. That's right, I'm talking about the Scream of Perseverance tour and our headliner dates that coincide with that tour called As Summer Burns. The Scream of Perseverance tour is kicking off at the end of May and runs all the way until the end of June. We are supporting the mighty death to all. We are going all over the United States and we are hitting some of Canada. So excited to be honoring the legendary music of death alongside amazing musicians that performed on these albums. Even more stoked to be doing some headliner dates in some cities that I've actually never played in. If you are planning to come to any of these shows, you should definitely grab your tickets by going to voxandhops.com slash summer and you will be able to grab all of your tickets there. That's voxandhops.com slash summer. Do it, people. Come hang out with me. Enjoy life, metal, and craft beer in your hometown. Come to a show. We're going to have a great time. Now, enough about all of that. Let's get back to the episode. Something that I love is talking about mental health. We, we touched on it just a little bit before. Uh, you touched on it just now about the end of the agonist for the best of the band, for everyone. I think it's important to talk about mental health, to talk about what you guys do when you're not feeling well. I saw, like, we're good friends, so. I noticed an absence. You moved, yeah. which is in your favor of this question. Not in your favor, but explains a little bit of it. But on social media, you were gone for a long time. How do you deal with mental health? What do you do to make yourselves feel better? You use music. Uh, you want Sixth Sense to be a cathartic release. Robbie was saying, talk to me about mental health and how you guys approach it and how you guys make yourselves get out of the darkness. Um, well, I have a lot to say about this, actually, <laughs> I think. But it's that you could have a lot to say about it, but it's tricky to make it succinct and easily understandable. But I'd like to think that the, the key to mental health is just keeping yourself busy and actually living a life of giving to others. If you're creating opportunities for yourself and other people around you, and that's bringing people up along the way, 
you'll start feeling fulfilled. It's kind of a selfish thing. It's like, well, I'm going to make other people feel better so I can start feeling better. But keeping busy and like exercising properly, like taking time away from the work, it's like great to like have a, a workload and a busy schedule, but you also have to like, okay, it's okay to take five minutes to just meditate, just sit outside, like breathe some air. Take it easy and then get back to it. Organize breaks too. Schedule so, yourself. I always make lists, and Vicky drives. I hate lists. I, I drive Vicky nuts with that. Yeah. I'm a mental list person, but so I personally think, um, you know, obviously I have my own mental health issues. Everybody does, but I just think, as maybe a lot of people disagree with me here, but I think there's too much emphasis placed on mental health sometimes. In a, in a way that, like, you start thinking, like, maybe I'm depressed. You have a bad day or a bad week, and you start thinking, man, my life sucks, I'm depressed. But it's like, maybe you're just... The this, spiral. Yeah. yeah, and then it spirals, and then you start thinking, like, all these depressing things. And you basically start overthinking when it's just like, you know, Robbie says this a lot. It's like, you don't have a bad life, you're having a bad day, not a bad life, you know. Um, I think the key with mental health sometimes is realizing that you can't always be happy. Life is full of up and downs and you have to be willing to do the things in life that aren't the things you always want to do. Because think about it. It's like you enjoy drinking craft beers. Other people may enjoy eating cheeseburgers. But if all you did in life, you wake up every morning, drink craft beers, eat cheeseburgers. <laughs> You're missing out on don't a lot tell of them, other Don't tell them my I secrets. Mean, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, one day you're going to wake up, you're an alcoholic, you're obese, and you're depressed. So it's like, I think um, your lifestyle needs to be filled with things that you enjoy doing, but things you don't enjoy doing that are essential. Like, I don't know a lot of people that love cleaning their house. You know, who loves, who's like, I wake up and I'm like, man, I can't wait to clean my house. That's, I, I'm that person, but... Very few me people. Me too, me too. I love it. Very few people, though. But it's like, clean your house. You'll feel better after afterwards and uh, exercise I don't know a lot of people that really enjoy exercising they enjoy the benefits they enjoy how That's it feels true. afterwards it's true but you do it long enough it becomes a habit you fall in love with it so I just think the key to mental health is realizing you can't always be happy you can't always just do the things that you want to do that bring you this happiness, this euphoria. Sometimes you got to do the work that sucks and just keep that balance when you're done with the work that sucks. Now it's like, now I'll have a craft beer, you know? <laughs> I, I have something to add to that, too. It's like really like your what your environment is makes you think and feel a certain way you are what you consume so if you're always listening to like music that's like has like this negative programming and messaging to it it's okay in doses but if you're always surrounding yourself with like these sad oh my girlfriend broke up with me lyrics instead of taking charge of your life lyrics it gets to you and like I, I i was like that when i was growing up listening to some of the bands i listened to it was like these emo pop punk bands that had these catchy choruses stuck in my head, but it's like they're always pining for like an ex-girlfriend of some sort, and it's like, and now some of these bands are in their 40s and 50s even, and they're still pining about still it. It's like, it. get over it. <laughs> you need to grow up, evolve from that, you know, and that, that's what I always want to be but about. But then, Robbie, you discovered hate breed. Yes. The PMA. And it was all good. There yeah. we go. More hate breed. <laughs> Less sad boy music. One last question. Uh, we're going to keep hanging out after this. Uh, people should have been here. They should come and hang out with us at La Magabual. You know, come on, people. Uh, Six Cents are going to destroy Turbo House, which is like literally across the street from here. Two nights, a Friday and a Saturday. I'm going to be on a Saturday. Um, I will record the outro after this. Uh, so I'll let you know what my experience says in the outro. Oh, great. <laughs> Uh, but I want to ask, I'm doing a new segment called Fight the Hops, where I ask my guests a short-term goal, something they're working on right now that they hope to achieve within the next month, two months. It could be a personal thing. It could be a business thing. It could be a mental thing, yeah. health thing. What are you guys doing right now to fight the hops? I'm really excited. Uh, to get these shows over with. Not that I won't <laughs> enjoy them, but I'm always like thinking ahead. When oh, something's yeah. planned for me, I'm like, okay, it's planned. This is happening. I'm over it already. Let's just do it. You're going to enjoy it in the moment, but you're not sitting there before the event being like, ah, you know? <laughs> and that being said, I'm super excited to work on the new Six Cent songs. I'm yeah. really excited for that. That's what's coming up for us right after these shows. Yeah. I want to bring the rest of the boys over from Canada down to Arizona and just have good times and good vibes with them and like... 
We want to write the looks. So we've written a few demos already. Um, like Branislav, Vox and Ops alumni, yeah. and you guys, or you guys on your side, or everyone involved there. Everyone involved. We want Ran yeah. and Sam down there. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we've already written a few demos, but you know, they they don't sound good. You know, it's that stu- home studio quality. But uh, we have we want to step it up from what we did for the first two EPs and brands like that too he writes a song and he sometimes he records let's say guitar in a place that he doesn't want guitar on the final version but he has a guitar so that's his like tool uh, to express that so that might be like replaced by bass or synth or something else so um, I think we all at this point are comfortable and love the creative process so so much and we're pretty old school so we've just been sitting with the guys and we've been like man you guys should just come down and we write it together like we have a starting point but let's really see what we can do to transform these songs you know um, so we're, we're working on that they're taking them taking some time off work and coming down um, and uh, also six Sense related I want to see if we can find I don't know management or a booking agent or a record label just other people in the industry, because so far we're independent, um, that also believe in what we're doing and want to assist. Um, and you know, we're not going to take the first deal on the table. So it has to, it has to feel genuine, and it has to feel that whoever wants to work with us loves the music and sees the vision. So it might not happen in the next month or two, because you know. Those are good, good goals to fight the hops. Vicky, Robbie, thank you so, so much for hanging out with me, talking about life, talking about music, talking yeah. about craft beer at La Magabois. This has been amazing. We're going to keep hanging out, but not with you guys listening. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. Man, this was awesome conversation. I love, love doing face-to-face interviews. It's how the podcast started. It just feels right. It feels so natural. The ambience, the noise at La Magabois, one of my favorite watering holes here in Montreal on St. Denis Street. Just the vibe, the ambience, the killer craft beers. We actually got a tour of the facilities after we wrapped up this interview. They were far too kind to us. A massive, massive Thanks to the Lama Gabois crew for being so, so cool. Sixth Sense, very cool. I had a great time at their gig. I went on the Saturday night when Deli the Bear was there. It was just so goddamn cool to watch this new project blossom to be there with a bunch of old friends, people that are all supporting this new project, Sixth Sense. I think it's so goddamn cool. I can't wait to see where this goes. Massive, massive thanks to Vicky and Robbie for sitting down with me. I truly, truly appreciate your time. Now, if you enjoyed this Vox and Hops episode, you should sign up to the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast mailing list. You can do that on my website, voxandhops.com. That's V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S.com. And when you do that, you shall receive one email a week that contains all of the details of everything that has happened recently in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. You will get to see which episodes I dropped recently. You will get to see which episodes I have coming up. You will get to hear about any projects I have in the works before I announce them to the public. And you will also get to see which albums the Vox and Hops album review crew have reviewed recently and which albums jerry monk vox and hops's metal architect himself has added to the brutal awakenings playlist i don't know how he does it but jerry always finds the best new music puts it on the brutal awakenings playlist for all of us to enjoy now there's always a lot of things going on in the world of the vox and hops metal podcast and i hate when you miss a single thing so please do me a favor and sign up to the mailing list the vox and hops metal podcast is brought to you by sound talent media and evergreen podcasts i hope you have a killer rest of the week i will be back next week with a very special 420 that's right episode 420 and i had to get just the perfect guest for that but i'm going to keep it a bit of a secret you got to tune in to find out so until then remember to enjoy life metal and craft beer cheers vox and hops heads hey what's up this is blake wyland i'm the host of the tone mob podcast it's a show where i interview guitar people about guitar stuff we talk about their pedals their amps their accessories their preferences all that stuff as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out.